Michigan State kicks off their season with a win against Western. Some bad, but a whole lot of good. We're going to get to it all thanks to your guys' response to the Twitter question. What's the biggest takeaway you got from this game? Let's go. Our Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy first victory Monday of the season. First of hopefully many for this upcoming football season. I think that it will be many wins now. We saw a lot of good things from our Spartans on Friday night in Spartan Stadium in front of a packed house. Absolutely positively loved it. Uh, Of course, we're going to talk about it here. But first, uh, let's just get the housekeeping out of the way. Hey, please rate, review, and subscribe here to this podcast or YouTube channel any way you take in this show. Thank you very much. And also, yeah, or if you're you know, watching on YouTube, drop a comment below. Let us know your favorite part of the game or your biggest takeaway from the game because that's the game we're going to be playing here today. On Twitter, Saturday morning, I tweeted out, what is the one single biggest takeaway that you had from Friday's game? There's a lot to pick from, a lot to go through. So, yes, this will be all three segments of today's show. Uh, and also, yeah, we do this five days a week here in the Locked on Spartans podcast and YouTube show if you are new to this program. First of all, hey, thanks a lot for giving us a try here today on this Labor Day weekend. And second of all, yeah, if there's any news uh, that breaks, if there's anything to talk about, which there always is in East Lansing, hey, you can find us here in the Locked on Spartans podcast. So let's get rolling here. Uh, yeah, Western Michigan, 13. More importantly, your Michigan State Spartans, 35. In a game that really I, I was never all too concerned about, we'll get into this in a hot second, but let's talk about the biggest storyline from the game, and it is not a good one, and we're going to kick off the show with this because, I, yeah, it, I think it is the biggest story coming out of Friday night, and also number two, personally, I may give me the bad news first guy and then let me walk out the door with good news, and we got a lot of good to go through, but unfortunately... Two big injuries on Friday night. You already know what I'm talking about. Linebacker Darius Snow, seen in a wheelchair after the game. And Xavier Henderson, uh, seen on the sidelines in crutches and a massive leg brace. Uh, Of course, it does not bode well for the season. Uh, Darius Snow, look, that's your best tackler on the team. Uh, Solid, solid linebacker. Xavier Henderson, of course, great safety, but also the proverbial leader of this team, one of the captains of this team. So he goes down. Not good. Now I will say, as we are recording on Saturday afternoon, we don't know the extent of these injuries. Mel Tucker said in the postgame press conference that he won't know anything until maybe Monday. But we can probably use our heads here and say that a kid on a wheelchair does not bode well. And just based on the size of the leg brace that Xavier Henderson was wearing, doesn't really look like a a tweaked ankle to me by any stretch of the imagination. So hopefully we can get them back at some point this season, but it's probably time to think of, well, what next? And of course the the biggest cliche saying is next man up. And that's what Cal Halliday said as much after the game on Friday, next man up. And yeah, Hey, look, Darius Snow plays linebacker. The linebacker room at Michigan state 
is deep. Uh, deep with talent, too. You know, this isn't just a bunch of schmucks rolling around out here. It sucks to lose Darius Snow. Of course it does. There is depth at the linebacker position, though, if there's, like, what, any shred of silver line? There is no silver lining here. But, look, linebacker is a solid position group. Xavier Henderson, he goes down. And that's a bummer. There's no other way to slice it. Yes, you have Kendall Brooks, Angelo Gross. You have the young guys, Malik Spencer, Jaden Mangum, that can play safety. Also, hey, maybe Hamp Fay, uh, the old quarterback that's uh, converting into a safety. But I get it. Next man up. But none of these next men up are going to be the best tackler on your team in Darius Snow or the leader of the defense in Henderson. So we, we just have to address that. Obviously, more news to come on Monday. We will update everyone. Uh, as it all comes out, but let's let's get to all the good stuff that happened on Friday night. Let's let's get to everything else so we can uh, smile the rest of the show. Because look, uh, how about this? Just to kick off, what good happened on Friday? How about the score? How about the score? How about walking out with a win to start the season? And hey, look, you didn't just win; you covered. And I think a lot of state fans are pretty happy with the win. But you know, there's the vocal minority that was like, "Oh, that was." I was a little underwhelming. Hoped I saw a little more there. I wasn't really too thrilled with the defense. Like, what? We, we, they covered the spread. They, they, they won by 22 points. They held Western to 13 points. Like, I, all in all, pretty good showing from our Spartans. Every game isn't going to be a 50-point blowout, even if they are MAC opponents. Because, look, at the end of the day, no, Western's not like a top-tier god-level group of five team. But they do have a really solid defense that might be the best defense that the MAC has to offer. They still did pretty good against them. So, yeah, there's no shame in this win right here. I get that it was an eight-point game, you know, going into the fourth quarter. But uh, that's, that's why you play four quarters uh, because there's a lot of game left to play. And after the end of 60 minutes, you win by 22 points. You're feeling really, really good about that. And also, just like I said a few times already, I reached out on Twitter Ask for your reactions to the game, your biggest takeaway. So we're going to splice these in throughout the episode. Like kicking it off right here is from Steve, who writes in, Even when Western had some momentum, our guys never gave up. They showed a strong heart and will to win throughout the game. And this was too funny not to add because the tweet immediately after that was Sam, who wrote, I genuinely thought we were going to lose at one point. So two opposite ends of the spectrum right there. Steve, who was in my camp, saying that, yeah, I, you know, there was never really a doubt. Sure, it was a little tight and cozy there in, in the fourth quarter, the end of the third quarter when Western scored a touchdown. But I, you, I, it's hard to describe. But you never got the sense that in the stadium that there was tension. Like, oh, no, here we go. It's it's This isn't going to go well. Like it, it, it seemed very comfortable. The demeanor on the sidelines seemed very comfortable, business as usual. So now I don't think that there was ever a thought from the team, at least, like, uh-oh, we're letting this one get away from us. It, it all worked out in the end, and again, that's why you play four quarters, because, yeah, it was one possession in the second half, but that's not what the final score says. Uh, look, a lot of good stuff, too. You kept Jack Salopic under 200 yards, and this was one of our keys to the game that we pointed out before the game on Friday, is that this is a really, really passable test for this secondary. Western Michigan is breaking in new offensive tackles at both tackle positions. They lost four of their top five pass catchers from a year ago, and they have a new quarterback. This was the green light special to shut down the Broncos air raid, and they did. Less than 200 yards passing. You also contain Sean Tyler, 68 yards on just 13 carries. 
okay, that was a massive key to the game right there is stopping their lightning rod of a running back, and they did that. Also, another key to the game that Michigan State accomplished, they held Western Michigan to just 33% on third down conversions. Yes, two of three on fourth down conversions, but any way you slice it, pretty solid on third down. And uh, Michigan State played a clean game, too, just two penalties. And let's funnel that right into offensive talk as well, because the last bullet point in front of me is that at the end of the day, not only do you have a win, but you have 430 yards of offense. That is going to play well. So, yes, there are some dogs on this team. There are some weapons on this team. And Sarge writes in, if the passing accuracy gets locked in at any point, they're going to look like 2008 Texas Tech with the weapons they have. Um, look, I get it. it. It's just a one game sample size. And I also get it. It was against Western Michigan, but I, boy, I, I might have to check myself here, but this offense looks like it could possibly be better than last year's. Maybe, I don't know. We're going to have to see a bigger sample size, but you could definitely see why there's an argument to be made there. Yes. You don't have Kenneth Walker anymore. Okay. You don't have Jalen Naylor anymore, but the two running backs you have are solid. Right, Jalen Berger did great. Jerk Broussard did great. We'll get to them later on. But it's the weapons around Thorne that make Michigan State so dynamic this year. Uh, like, we all wondered if Jeremy Bernard, the true freshman, was going to be a true instant impact guy. Okay, first touchdown of the season. Okay, there we go. Uh, can Keon Coleman, can he make the jump we are all expecting him to make in year two? Okay, touchdown for him as well. And also a really nice catch, too, uh, later on in the game. And also, is Daniel Barker going to be as effective as advertised? Okay, that's another guy that had a touchdown as well. Uh, we're talking big physical guys like Keon Coleman, Jeremy Bernard, Speed, and Jaden Reed, who didn't even score a touchdown, didn't have to. And also a massive red zone target in Daniel Barker, who, I mean, if you've heard me talk about him in the offseason, you already think – or you already know that I think he's going to be one of the best tight ends, at, I mean, eh, if I could talk, MSU has had in the better part of a decade plus. And we all saw why on a Friday night right there. Beautiful one-handed grab in the end zone, but just a physically imposing guy. So Keegan writes in, he puts it very well. Skill depth is what is going to help replace K-9's production. Wide receiver look great. Teams focusing on Jordan Reed, sorry, Jaden Reed, are only going to make others open, which what we saw last night. Bang on, Keegan. Uh, the receiving room, the tight end room, fantastic. Of course, we're going to talk about running backs. We are going to talk about Peyton Thorne. We also got to take a visit to the defensive side of the ball here. But first, it's going to take a quick break in the action for a PSA because this is an important one. Drive high or get a DUI. It is as simple as that. Really is. Do, or sorry, are you one of those people who think it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that could happen if you smoke a little or take an edible before you get behind the wheel? What, you just end up driving a little bit below the speed limit? Everything's fine. Hey, it's all going to be good in the hood. It's no big deal, right? No, Ron, the truth is that your reaction times slow way down, way down when you're high and you are not only putting yourself in danger, but everyone else around you as well. Talk about being a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. And if you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, well, guess what? You drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. 
And as we get back into your reactions, my reactions from Michigan State's 35-13 to win over Western on Friday night, hey, just want to thank you very much for making Locked On Spartans your first listen every single day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, let's get to probably the best individual performance of the day, of the night on Friday, and that is no other than Jacoby Winman. Holy smokes. Uh, you, you talk about a debut for your new team out of the transfer portal. Jacoby Winman completely aced his test, and this was one of the things that we talked about that we were going to look forward to on Friday night is not just watching Jacoby Winman play some football, but where is he going to be playing some football? Is he going to be a linebacker like he was at UNLV? Is he going to be the defensive end stand-up edge rusher? Option B ended up being the correct answer and hard to argue about where they are putting him on the field because he made his presence felt, felt uh, with four sacks. I mean, he was all over the place. Uh, again, we, we talked before the game that Western Michigan replaced both offensive tackles. This was a good position for Michigan State's new defensive ends, new starting defensive ends, I should say, to feast. And my goodness gracious, did Jacoby Winman feast. Also, hey, Chris Bogle, Jeff Petrowski, uh, Jacob Slade, Simeon Barrow, Brandon Wright all had at least a half sack as well. So, hey. Maybe it's the players, maybe it's the coaches in Brandon Jordan, Marco Coleman, but defensive line is looking really, really strong to start the season. This could help the secondary too. Start to speed up the quarterback's clock. You really start to create a lot of havoc, and, and that's going to help the pass defense as well. Uh, Travis Mulhauser writes in, Travis, great guy, love that guy. Uh, Winman is an NFL edge and gives me K-9 portal magic vibes. Again, early in the season, just one game, but I'm tracking what Travis is saying right now. Look, you can't count on a guy for four sacks every single game, and yet eventually Michigan State is going to be playing against Power 5 football offensive lines. But, wow, if you could be even mm, 75% that disruptive against any other teams, half that disruptive, that's that's going to bode really well. And he just looked like a freak out there, too. Physically imposing fast, battling with his hands against the offensive line. He he just looked crisp the entire game. And Anthony also writes in, referencing a podcast from last week, you asked in a recent podcast with Justin Thin, who is him? And if you don't know what the question, who is him, is asking, hey, who's going to be the star this season? Who's the real deal? Uh, and then Anthony writes in, Jacoby Winman is him. Very, very tough to argue against that. Again, a complete monster at defensive end the entire game and hopefully something could count on the entire season also with Winman shining with Berger doing real Bissard doing well Barker doing really well a lot of your biggest takeaways was in the transfer portal like Jamison writes in this team is chock full of elite athletes more so than I could even remember uh that is largely thanks to the transfer portal Austin writes in the transfer portal is good. That's a very astute observation, Austin. That's right. That's Austin Smith of the only podcast, friend of the program. Great guy. But yeah, uh, nails it on the head. Sometimes you just don't have to overthink things. The transfer portal is good. Michigan State is making it very good. Madison writes in that Tuck knows his way around the transfer portal. That was her biggest takeaway of Friday night's game. And then uh, D Wags, if I'm saying that name right, uh, writes in Mel Tucker plays a transfer portal like a world class pianist. Leading rusher, leading sack man. Our staff knows what they're looking for and won't just grab kids out of it willy nilly. That is so true. 
we're not just handing out scholarships. We're not handing out transfer spots just for kids to get a Michigan State shirt and then have a senior day one day. Like, oh, yeah, hey, you, you might play some snaps here. No. Instant impact guys are who Mel Tucker and the staff are fishing for in the portal. They did it last offseason. They did it this offseason. They'll do it next offseason. The one after that. The one after that. The one after until, you know, the, the sun finally engulfs the earth. They will keep on hitting the transfer portal as hard as humanly possible. And why not? Seems to be working out pretty well so far. So, yeah, hey, the transfer portal, still new-ish. I feel like we're running out of years where we can say the transfer portal boom is new. But you talk about acing the transfer portal test early on. Mel Tucker is as good as anyone in the entire nation at finding talent, implementing it on the team, and instantly having an impact to the game so thank you for your service Mel Tucker and here's a kid that actually came through the transfer portal as well not this year but last year Ben Van Sumeren starting linebacker which hand off did not see that coming in a million years I talked about before the game oh I'm excited to see who's going to be starting at linebacker is it going to be Brule, Halliday, Snow, Winman, uh, Ma Natiote how about none of the guys that I named how about Ben Van Sumeren and he looked he looked incredible to on Friday. As I'm re-watching the game, I, I feel like 90% of plays that ended had number 13 around the ball. This guy was flying all over the field. And there was a lot of offseason chatter about him, that he's coming on really well. But we hear offseason chatter about a lot of guys, right? That actually never comes to anything. But this time, the Ben Van Sumer chatter was 100% legit. And we have a really solid starting linebacker there because, I look, physically imposing guy, decent in pass coverage yesterday. But just like I brought up earlier, his hat was to the ball all the time. So, yes, it looks like the second offseason is really where it started to click for Ben Van Sumeren, who was actually back in the transfer portal, but then was, I don't know if he was convinced to stay at Michigan State or he just wanted to stay at Michigan. I don't know how it happened. doesn't matter. He's still here, and that is all that matters. So, yeah, he racked up. 11 tackles on Friday night. So that's one of the really nice surprises of Friday night, too, is not just the fact that, hey, look, Batman Sumerin is starting at linebacker, but it's for the reason of, oh, it's because he's really damn good at playing it. And, yeah, so that second offseason for him, really getting comfortable. And that's maybe something that's not talked about enough, too, is that maybe it does take more than a year to instantly click for some guys. And maybe we just put that unrealistic expectation out there on, maybe a little too many players because can guys do it in year one? Can they adjust that quickly, get into a new system and start shining immediately? Of course they can, but it's not for everyone. Sometimes you need that second year. And look, it looks like Batman Sumer is, is exhibit a of that happening right before our eyes. So there we go. Let's be bop uh, really quick around some other position groups here. Uh, look, I, there was a lot of chatter about Peyton Thorne uh, to the tweet of what your biggest takeaway was, uh, his accuracy issues. I'm not going to single anyone out for writing that because there, there was a, about a two, three dozen whose biggest takeaway was Peyton Thorne. Uh, you know, he, he sailed some passes, he missed some guys, and you guys know me. I, I'm, I'm a huge Peyton Thorne fan. I'm a Peyton Thorne apologist. Uh, of course, it was not a perfect game from him, especially on that interception I thought was really you know weird and not like him. He, he had a, a little too much dip. On the chip there, that, that, that's a play that doesn't even work in Madden. When you run left as a right-handed thrower, throw the ball across your body, across the field, against the grain, look, that's an interception nine out of ten times. And, well, we saw that 
being one of those nine times. And so that was odd because usually he's a real cerebral, cerebral player. He was just trying to get too much done at the end of half, but whatever. I thought he did have some good moments out there. Of course, not a perfect game by any stretch, but yes, I, I think that some rust had to be shaken off. I'll start to get concerned about him if it's week two. You know, look, Akron is a really gettable team. If he doesn't shine there, then I'll start to get a little nervous. And then if by the end of week three against Washington, these issues keep happening, then I'll start to maybe get a little concerned. But we saw this at the Peach Bowl last year, right? Is that that month break, I mean, without the game speed, kind of toyed with his timing. He's also getting to learn a lot new targets too, like Jeremy Bernard. You know, that's a new face. Daniel Barker is a new face as well, the running back. So maybe that has something to do with it as well. Sounds like I'm making excuses for him. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, I am, but I, I, I'm just a big Peyton Thorne guy. He has shown time and time again that if he has an off game, the next game he usually does bounce back. And if there is a occasion to rise to, even in the middle of a game, even when, oh, for example, I don't know, Western Michigan makes it an eight-point game and it's eight points, an eight-point lead in the fourth quarter and you need some big throws, uh, he, he delivered them. So, no, I, I'm not worried about Peyton Thorne. My DEFCON meter is that I'm at DEFCON 5 right now. Uh, I'm not at 2. I'm not at 1. I'm not, you know, signing the alarms. But get me after Washington if these uh, issues keep happening, then okay, fine. But also, hey, let's talk about the other quarterback, too, really quick. Uh, Noah Kim. Okay, Thorne has to take a playoff. He got popped really good. Um, obviously, okay, he finished the game. But Noah Kim trots out on the field, and I look at my buddy and say, I ah, just let him sling it. What, what the heck, right? What, what's the worst that could happen? I was kind of joking, but nope. Noah Kim got in there, slung the ball downfield, get a pass interference flag, which is as good as a completion right there. So Jake writes in, Noah Kim is fearless. First pass of his career. F it. I'm going downfield. And then Ryan Black of the Lansing State Journal said, quote, Kim has that dog in him. Hey, sometimes it's just the one throw from the back of quarterback is everyone's biggest takeaway. And that's an example right there. We got more to talk about. Running backs. We have to talk about running backs to kick off next segment. And also, we will look a little bit at Akron. And also, hey, the woodshed was packed. Let's talk about that. But first, just a quick break to pay some bills. So let's do that now. All right. Uh, no one wrote a tweet that I liked more, better than Charlie. Actually, me and Charlie go way back to uh, our elementary school days. Was Elementary. Let's go. Lost winners, fire up. Anyway, we're not here to talk about our old elementary school days. We're here to talk about Michigan State football, and Charlie wrote my favorite tweet. Seven-plus yards per carry would be absolutely electrifying. But since we had K-9 last year, everyone is like, meh, didn't break off a 40-plus yard touchdown on his first run, average at best. You know what? I think I might be... A victim of this too. I, I might be one of those people because I, I'm leaving the game Friday, you know, just replaying things through my head. And it's like, yeah, the running backs were solid, pretty good. And then oh, you start to look at the box score. You start to rewatch their runs. It's like, oh, no, that was actually really good from them. Like Jalen Berger, 16 carries, 120 yards, seven and a half yards per carry. Jarek Broussard, 10 carries, 54 yards, obviously 5.4 yards per carry. That is really good. That is really good. But just like Charlie points out, since Kenneth Walker was on the team last year and we are coming off of a season of watching a generational running back at Michigan State, the best running back in the nation last year, 
It's like, eh, yeah, yeah, oh, hum, it was fine. No, hey, I need to tell myself, maybe I need to tell you. I don't know, you can be the judge of this, but that was a really good game from the running backs yesterday. Jerick Broussard, uh, everything that we hope for, you know, shifty, speedy, versatile. Jalen Berger, really impressed with his vision. Really impressed with his vision. Hits the holes. Uh, even if there isn't one created in front of him, he finds a way to find another one. I, I again, small sample size, game one, but against a defense that is pretty solid. Again, Western Michigan returned all three of the starting linebackers from last season. The run blocking, I thought, was pretty good pretty solid. And yeah, the running backs in Jalen Berger and Jarek Broussard, early to say, but I think we're going to be in good hands. Okay. Yes, I know it's, it's not Kenneth Walker. It's, it's not going to be as fun as last year, but I, these guys are going to be very productive and get a lot done in the backfield for Michigan state. So there you have it. Uh, we also got to talk about God, this. This might've been the second most impressive individual performance yesterday, but just gets so little respect, uh, which is sad because, hey, Michigan State's a Big Ten school, so we should be embracing punting even more than we already do. Kamal writes in his biggest takeaway from the game was Bryce Berenger should win the Ray Guy Award. The Ray Guy Award, of course, for best punter in the nation. And I'll tell you what gets a campaign started on the right foot for the Ray Guy Award is having four punts with a 50-and-a-half-yard average, a long of 70 and that punt that he had to start the game, the 67-yarder, un- unbelievable even for Bryce Berenger's uh, standards. That, that He could bang the hell out of a ball. He's got uh, steel-toed boots, man, when he punts, I tell you. And look, I, I know it's uh, always like quirky to talk punting, but that, that really does matter to flip a field like that. Michigan State uh, could have very easily you know, punted the ball. Okay, Western has about the 25-yard line now, or 30-yard line. How about just talking them inside the five? Uh, unbelievable from Bryce Berenger. So, yeah, I mean, and that's something that you could look forward to the rest of the season. <clears throat> no doubt about that. Um, Two more things to get through. Uh, Jake's biggest takeaway, you can feel it when at the game last night that this program is heading for elite levels and the fans are ready. The place was packed. The turnout at the stadium yesterday was unreal. Like, it, it, awesome turnout. Uh, the the staff, Mel Tucker, the team, has this fan base buzzing. The student section turnout was amazing. Everyone stayed the whole game. So, yeah, that was awesome. Excuse me. Quick drink of water. My voice is barely hanging on. Uh, thanks to losing my mind last night throughout the game. So, but, hey, you know what? Uh, if the team is going to need us to step up on third downs, that's what we're going to do. And um, the only thing I could do from... 30 rows up in the stadium has used my voice. So there we go. I like to think that I contributed a little bit, even though I you know, probably really had no impact on the game. But just let me imagine here for a second. Anyway, let's get to the last one here. Let's look to next week because Brad Pitt reincarnate. That's right. That's his name. Brad Pitt reincarnate wrote in. I'm not completely worried, but a clean 30-point win against Akron will make me confident against Washington. <clears throat> 30 might not be enough, honestly. 30 might not be enough uh, because Akron is lousy. Knock on wood. Hold on. Let me knock on wood. Akron is really bad. Really bad. I love their head coach hire. Joe Moorhead uh, coming from Oregon, uh, controlled the passing offense over at Oregon. I I, I think the world of Joe Moorhead. He has – he has – Quite the project over there uh, in Akron for the Zips. Uh, look, hey, they needed overtime 
to beat FCS opponent St. Francis. Akron was 18.5 point favorites that game. They needed overtime to beat an FCS school, and honestly, quite frankly, not even a good FCS school. You know, this isn't like North Dakota State coming down and stunning you. Like, no, that's that's a very beatable FCS team, and one that a bad team like Akron was favored 18 points against and then still struggled to beat. So, look, I, MSU should win in a laugher next Saturday against Akron, barring any crazy injuries that happen at practice this week. I'm talking like a meteor strikes, the practice field. And even then, you could probably find like 50 frat guys on late notice, teach them the playbook, uh, and they could probably go out and beat the Akron Zips. I'm just saying. Uh, So, yes, maybe Friday night's win wasn't good enough for you. Maybe you just want to see one more solid game. Got a very hard time believing that this Saturday won't be that game that you're looking for because I – I think Michigan State should, should be able to nuke the, the zips right here. So we'll we'll see, though. Hopefully, hopefully I didn't just jinx the ever-living you-know-what out of that, but stay tuned to find out. Um, Dang, thank you so much for making uh, Lockdown Spartans your, your weekend listen if you're watching on YouTube. That's right. We dropped this on Saturday on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast, of course, you know this came out Monday morning, and we will be back each and every day this week. Next episode, going to be with Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports. That's right. We're bringing back our weekly chat with Steven. If you have any questions for him, leave him a below if you're watching on YouTube or LockdownSpartans at gmail.com is the place to find us on email. But yeah, talking a lot about the game, the injuries, who steps up for guys, what he saw from the game. It's always a great conversation with our guy, Steven Brooks. And then also coming this week is going to be an interview with, I was going to say Greg Jones, but not just Greg Jones. No, we're talking MSU Athletics Hall of Fame inductee Greg Jones as well. Talk about his career, what he liked from the game on Friday, and just a whole bunch. Greg's awesome. He's been on the show uh, a few times, so it'll be great to have him on MSU Athletics Hall of Fame Induction Week coming up. So, And, of course, duh, the game next Saturday, which we will absolutely be talking about. So, hey, keep it here. Locked on Spartans, your team every single day. Go enjoy the rest of your week or your Labor Day weekend. Love you all. Go Green.